Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of Revisionist Grizzly, a podcast under the Core 4 podcast. And you can find it on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. My name is Parker Fleming, and with me today is the co-host of the 3ND podcast, GBB staff writer, Justin Lewis, a.k.a. Justin Timberfake. Justin, what's going on? What's up, Parker? It's been a minute since I've been on a podcast with you. I'm ready for this. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And so for this edition of Revisionist Grizzly, we're going to be breaking down the Kevin Love trade from 2008. So I know a lot of you guys might have become fans around the G&G era, but if you're unfamiliar with the trade, on draft night in 2008, the Memphis Grizzlies traded with the Minnesota Timberwolves, where the Grizzlies sent Kevin Love, Mike Miller, Brian Cardinal, and Jason Collins to Minnesota for OJ Mayo, Antoine Walker, Marco Yarich, and Greg Buckner. And so we've kind of seen how the careers have gone. OJ Mayo had a stellar start to his career in his rookie year he averaged 18 and a half points roughly four rebounds three assists and shot 38 percent from three and then his numbers just kept trending down and his role got smaller as the grizzlies built more talent started relying on more veterans and he got suspended from the league in the summer of 2016 for some sort of substance nobody really knows, but and he just hasn't found his way back to the league since. Meanwhile, Kevin Love became a perennial all-star who his peak was 26 and 12 with Minnesota in the 2013-14 season. And he's just been a consistent double-double throughout his career. He's averaged double-digit rebounds for all for about half of his uh, 12-year career, and he has a championship ring with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So there's that. And uh, Justin, what is your stance on this trade? Uh, let's just throw in the fact that Kevin Love only averaged less than double-digit rebounds in Cleveland because he was just told to sit on a three-point line and shoot threes. Um, so that took away a lot of rebounds from him because of his role change. Um, <clears throat> but this this trade, uh, number one for me, being a little bit older than the grit and grind um, people, uh, when they traded Mike Miller, that was really hard for me. That was my favorite player um, in the NBA. And to me, that trade really was just Kevin Love, Mike Miller um, for O.J. Mayo. The other guys were uh, just kind of side pieces to me. Um, Brian Cardinal was the biggest waste of money on the end of the bench I've, I've seen in a long time. Um, so I was actually thrilled that he was moved. Um, but I believe that that trade um, kept this franchise from doing even better than the grit and grind era ever was. Interesting proposition there because, as we know, Kevin Love plays the same position as Zach Randolph. So they would have never gotten Zach Randolph. And so, Justin, for one, why do you think this might have been a better – they could have had a better era than the G and G Grizzlies. And two, was it worth 
Like, would it be worse not getting Zach Randolph? So here's why I think it's better. Uh, in Memphis, Zebo um, was a 16 and 10 guy for his career. He's a 16 and 9 guy. Kevin Love in his time in Minnesota, which would have been his time in Memphis as well, was a 19 and 12 guy. So we're getting three more points per game and two more rebounds at a minimum. So on surface level, no advanced stats, anything like that. For his career, he's an 18 and 11 uh, guy. And his rookie year, okay, his rookie year, he's 11 and 9. Marcus Gasol was a rookie the same year. He was 11 and 7. So your front line would have been 22 and 16 with two rookies. The starting power forward that year was uh, Hakeem Warwick, who averaged 11 and 5. So same amount of points as Kevin Love, but um, didn't rebound as well. And if you look at it, who was the best power forward in franchise history before Zach Randolph? It was Pau Gasol. He only ever, ever, ever averaged 18 and 8 um, for Memphis. So Kevin Love was already like he, he's better than, than Zach Randolph was. Um, and so the reason I think it's better is is what plays out afterwards. So when you have Kevin Love and Mark Gasol as the future of your front court, you are no longer looking for a front court piece the next season. Now, obviously, nobody expected Mark Gasol to turn into what he turned into. So, you know, m- maybe there was a chance that they would still would look um, front court. But I believe that if you've got a front line of um, Gasol and Love, and then you don't have O.J. Mayo at the two, what is your hole? It's guard. Who is the guard that comes after Hashim to beat in that draft? Harden. It's James Harden. So you're looking at a young core of Mike Conley, James Harden, Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Mark Gasol, and you still have Kyle Lowry at that point. And you take Darrell Arthur later in the draft. Not not forgetting that we still had Mike Miller if we didn't trade him away. And the possibility that we try to convince Juan Carlos Navarro to stay on. Rest in peace to that guy. But people oh, no. also forget. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hey, not rest in peace. He's still alive. but He's still alive, but his NBA yes. career was short. That same summer, we had sent a qualifying offer to Josh Smith in the middle of his prime, and Atlanta matched it. So you could have been looking at Conley, Harden, Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Mark Gasol, uh, Kyle Lowry, Hakeem Warwick, Juan Carlos Navarro, Darrell Arthur, and then Mike Miller. If you don't get Josh Smith, okay, the next guys that you can look at it by not trading for Zach Randolph, okay, the, the, the difference in salary between Quentin Richardson and um, Zach Randolph was like $15 million or something like that. So, in essence, you signed a free agent for, for that much money you could have gotten a veteran like grant hill at three million dollars um who averaged 11 points a game that would become off the bench or trevor ariza for 5.8 million uh, who had the best scoring year of his career in 2009 2010 and then sean marion was available for two uh for seven million who went on uh, to help the the dallas mavericks and so you get you keep this core together you're looking at um the year that we made the Western Conference Final with the with the core four, the, the grit and grind era when it was really at its peak, obviously, um, would have been year four for Kevin Love and Marcus Gasol and year three for James Harden. So in year four, Kevin Love was averaging 18 and 14. Mike Miller was shooting 41% in 15 minutes per game uh, for Miami. James Harden averaged 25 points, six uh, assists, and five rebounds. And then Zebo was only at 15 and 11 
inferior to what Kevin Love was doing at the time. OJ wasn't even on the team anymore, so that draft pick was already gone, and that and the two spot obviously was to Tony Allen. So this is this is your core. The year that we made um, the Western Conference Finals, what it could have been. Mike Conley averaging fourteen and six at seven million dollars. James Harden twenty five six and five at five million dollars. Kevin Love eighteen and fourteen at thirteen million dollars. Marcus Gasol at fourteen and eight per game at thirteen million dollars. Lowry was on the books for five million, and that was the year that we traded Rudy Gay for Tayshawn Prince. So you had that money in there like that. Just think about how a like you you could have added one more piece in another offseason, and just the success that you would have with that group would have blown grit and grime out of the water. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about and. Um, one thing I did think about when I originally asked you about this podcast was for one, yeah, you know, I grew up giant Mike Miller fan and he, and losing him in that Kevin Love trade was criminally underrated. I mean, I think he could have provided a lot of value, especially, you know, when G and G was starting up, the big thing was shooting. Like, could you imagine in that 2011 playoffs when Rudy Gay went down. The Grizzlies starting small forward was Sam Young. Replace him with Mike Miller. So you have that core four with Mike Miller over at the three and OJ Mayo off the bench. Like, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made, but the Grizzlies could have very well gone to the NBA championship, to be honest. Like, when you really think about it, because they did, as I talked about last week with Connor Dunning, the Grizzlies, they beat the Dallas Mavericks in the season series three to one that year. So I don't, and I think it was one of those things where whoever Dirk was having a guard between Gasol and Zach Randolph, I think one of those would have just eaten his lunch defensively. Granted, he went on one of the greatest tears I've ever seen in a playoff run. Guys, consider I'm, I'm young. I'm 23 years old. That's one of the greatest playoff runs I've ever seen. And so that's that's one thing it's also to be weary of. So like you lost Mike Miller, which kind of sucks. But and you mentioned too, like Kevin Love and Mark Gasol, like you would be set at that front court. But they still took Hashim to beat. Like you wonder, like, is it one of those things they planned on Mark Gasol being the four? Or did they think that Mark Gasol wasn't gonna be the answer? I I don't know. So Well, it, it has it has to be that they didn't think he was the answer because you don't put a seven foot, like near three hundred pound dude at, at the power forward. Um so I guess what they saw how out of shape he was when he first came over. Um I, they must have thought that it seemed to beat with some other worldly talent and Gasol wasn't gonna be anything. Right. And then it's one of those things that that class with the beat is very loaded at the guard position and it could have gone so many different angles. Like, yeah, you mentioned James Harden, but also it could have been one of those things where you draft Tyreek Evans and granted he had that historic 25 and five rookie season, but he also ended up getting hit with injury bucks. So you could have had a wash of a draft pick there because he didn't even make it past his extension with the Kings. I think he went off to, New Orleans right after that and signed there. And I don't think, yeah, Sacramento didn't even match his offer sheet then because he wasn't healthy. Granted, Kings kind of Kings, but still could have gone that direction. I know there was an infatuation with Ricky Rubio then. So do you saw Mike Conley because of, 
like you said, you were you're a lot older than the typical GNG. Like you remember how much hype Ricky Rubio got in twenty in uh, two thousand nine, right? Mm-hmm. It was like it was, it was similar to the Luka Doncic hype. Yes, dude. I always thought like if Rubio would have come out when he like with like the hype that he did in two thousand nine, if he had that same like social media hype that Luka had, who I think it could have been very overwhelming. And I think he kind of would have, I think think it kind of would have hurt his career. Cause I mean, now he's been able to just kind of like ride past that hype and he's had a pretty solid career. I mean, nobody's been like, Oh, Ricky Rubio is a bust because he wasn't this like pistol Pete kind of guy. Everybody pictured him to be it's just one of those like, okay, he's a good starting point guard. And it's almost like people would just forget that he was picked over Steph. It's crazy. Yeah, him and Johnny Flynn. Oh, the Johnny Flynn one was the worst. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to uh, the 2008 draft. I know it's so easy to get caught in our feels about the 2009 draft. But so based off the claim that you made, you think Kevin Love becomes the Kevin Love that he became throughout, right? Yeah, I, I think that under uh, the style of play that you know, grit and grind ended up being, you know, look, Kevin Love in Minnesota is not Kevin Love now. He was, I mean, that dude banged down low, grabbed boards. Um, he he changed his game to fit uh, the the change of the NBA and, and to be what he needed to be next to LeBron and be that piece. Um, but that Kevin Love was a very similar type player to Zach Randolph with a little bit more elevation. Uh, he could probably jump over two phone books instead of one. Um but Love was, I mean, he was a beast. Uh, and I think that he would have been afforded that same opportunity because who's he got to outplay to get a spot on the floor? Hakeem Warwick. So I think he would have had that opportunity and he would have performed this. And that would have allowed earlier in Mark's career for him to be away from the basket um, more than he was because, he, you know, we all know that Gasol is not the best rebounder for a seven-footer. Um, I think that that would have been um, – a he would have been the same Kevin Love and then when you know if the changes in coaching would have happened where Jaeger came in and wanted to speed things up and do all that Love would have fit right in with that too yeah I agree I actually found like when you were just talking about you know what Kevin Love would have been it made me want to pull up this tweet I remember uh around the 2018 draft uh Matt Moore aka Hardwood Paroxysm he tweeted about uh, Luka Doncic and the Grizzlies and said, there are only three possibilities. He has taken before Memphis. Memphis takes so many busts. He has taken fifth or lower and becomes an all-time great. This is how it must be. And I quoted the tweet and I said, if the Love-Mayo swap would have never happened, Mayo would be an all-time great and, lo- and Love would be Nick Collison 2.0. Because mm-hmm. that I know I was only like a, 10 or, or I was about 11 years old at that draft. But I remember just being on the phone with my dad like after the love pick. I'm like, well, you got a guy who's, you know, he might just be like a 12 and 10 guy, just didn't get a start. This, you know, this little run of winning, you know, 20 to 25 games is just going to continue for a few more years. And then they made the OJ trade. So, I mean, eh, I don't know. I don't know where I really stand with the whole like – is Kevin Love what he is now? Because, I mean, uh, because, you know, it was just that Grizzly luck, you know. The Grizzlies just didn't have that luck from 
as far as drafting goes, I mean, from moves, like, shoot, they built a core off taking flyers. I mean, Mark Saul was a throw-in in the Pau Gasol trade. Zach Randolph was a salary dump. And in essence, you traded away Darko Milicic for Zach Randolph because Milicic was traded for Richardson, who was traded for Randolph. And he signed Tony Allen for $3 million in an offseason. And he got playing time because Rudy Gay got hurt. So, I don't know. I think it would have been a fascinating thing to see Kevin Love in Memphis, especially seeing how he played out now. Because like you said, too, it could have opened up the possibility of, you know, drafting a a James Harden or a Steph Curry or Tyreek Evans. You never know. There was DeMar DeRozan in that draft, too. There are so many guys where yeah. I, I I don't even want to talk about the two. It just, it's just going to make me sad. Wow. No, so, like, uh, you know, when you talked about with your dad that you said it's probably just be a 12 and 10 guy. Like, honestly, when um, Love was, was our pick, I didn't really know much about the guy. And so I probably wouldn't have expected much more than what you were saying to expect, you know, a, a 12 and 10 guy, um, whatever. Because, you know, let's be real. Like, as a Grizzlies fans – that was not a, a time where we expected much of anything from anybody uh, in that franchise. Like Rudy Gay had the most hype on him. Uh, I don't remember Mike Conley being that hyped. Uh, like you said, Mark Gasol was a throw-in. Like that team was Rudy Gay, um, and it was his team to to lead. Um, and so when we draft Kevin Love, and, you know, yeah, he went to UCLA. He was number five overall. But, hey, you know, not all number five overalls work out. We've seen number twos not work out uh, firsthand. So when we took him, I, I would have never expected him to be what he, he's been today. Um, but I do think that if he were to be what he was in Minnesota, in Memphis, um, the success and the trajectory of the Grizzlies franchise would have been a higher and more long-lasting arc than uh, what we saw with Grit and Grind. Yeah, it's just so tough when, like, you think about Zebo and – He's the reason that you ended up getting out of the gutter. Because I remember the first season that he was in Memphis, he put up like 22 and 11, became an all-star, second one in franchise history. And the Grizzlies won 40 games. And that was like before Grant and Grind. And actually, I remember they probably would have made the playoffs, but Mark Gasol got hurt down the stretch. And that just kind of like killed any hope of making it to the playoffs. So like, I'm just always a firm believer in – you got to get a grown-up in the room to teach young guys how to win, especially veterans that um, can actually contribute at a starter level. I mean, we're seeing it firsthand right now with Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, I saw it with other teams such as Indiana, Brooklyn, Utah, like teams like that over the years. Miami with Jimmy Butler. They got a grown-up in the room, and they're great. And so that's what's hard for me. And also to – as probably for the next five to ten years, Zebo is the most iconic Memphis Grizzly, and it's going to take a lot for Jaron and Jaw to overcome them, overcome him as the most iconic Grizzly. And I think that um, they have to do a lot to do it. Maybe win a championship, maybe get all NBA first or second team, perennial All Star. So we've stuff we have conversation about. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to be on the Grizzly Mount Rushmore and it's just tough for me to picture that with Kevin Love, especially with the way that one, 
the city embraced Zach Randolph, but two, the way that Zach Randolph embraced back. And who knows? I don't know if Kevin Love would have had much commitment here at some point because he demanded out of Minnesota. And granted, maybe a change of situation where, you know, you mentioned you have a, a core of Mike Conley and James Harden and Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Mark Saw, and you're freaking awesome. But, like, what if not? Like, what if, you know, the Grizzlies, they would have relied on Rudy Gay hero ball too much? Or if James Harden's choking in the playoffs just continues. I mean, he's choked all the way back to OKC. So you just never like that's just kind of where I'm torn with all this. Yeah, but I guess Minnesota is a small market, and um, he demanded out. And I don't remember how many times they made the playoffs with him there. If they did, um, I do think it'd have been a different story here in Memphis. Um, I think they would have made the playoffs by by year three of him being there at the latest. Um, and so, you know, if you're if you're in the playoffs and you're winning games, then I think that's different when it comes to a player um, wanting out. Um, going back to what you said about the the Mount Rushmore and John and, and Jerry and with, with Zach Randolph, I, I agree. You know, Zach embodies Memphis way more than Kevin Love ever would have. Um, and I honestly think that there should be a, a Mount Rushmore of the core four that never changes. And then you just have to start another one going forward because I would dare say that the arrival of Tony Allen and, and Zach Randolph probably kept the team in Memphis. Um, and I think that's something that's not talked about much either is, is that, that seven year stretch. Um, if that didn't happen, uh, for whatever reason, are we still in Memphis or are we rooting for a team that's in Seattle or Las Vegas? Um, so I think, you know, Jaw at some point, I think he could overcome as the top Grizzly of all time. He's going to have to be a multi-year all-star, take this team to a Western conference final at minimum. Um, and, and really embrace the city like he has already begun to. But I think he's the only one um, that has a chance just because of his polarizing personality on and off the floor, the way he plays the game, um, the, the, that kind of underdog mentality that he has that, that Memphians tend to relate to. Um, so I think – I don't know that Jaron necessarily has um, the opportunity to pass Zach. I think he can be top three, top four. But I think uh, Morant's the only one that's got a chance to, to pass Zach. And, look, Mark's my favorite. I was never a huge Zebo fan. But I can acknowledge that the impact that Zach Randolph had on this team was far more significant um, than any other player in franchise history. It's just I do think the team trajectory would have been greater – if it was Kevin Love instead of Zach Randolph. But Zebo is the better fit for the team in the city. Right. And, you know, like, there's such a very cool thing. It's just like, you know, the premise of this podcast series is you have the more well-known mainstream all-star big man that's a double-double machine and Kevin Love that the Grizzlies had at one point on draft night and they pass on him. And then you have basically a counterpart and what really happened was Zach Randolph and just weighing in. It's like, oh, people are like, oh, man, could have kept Devin Love. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but what about Zach Randolph? So very, very cool to think. It's just very – it's a tough concept to grab because, I mean, just knowing what we know, especially more so knowing what we know now with O.J. Mayo, more so than how good Kevin Love is, just that really O.J. Mayo would have been – awesome next to the core four 
Yeah, so if if OJ if he repeats his rookie year consistently and he's he is what we were hoping he'd be when we trade him, are we ever looking back at this trade and asking questions? No, not at all. I think the biggest thing that you would have been upset about is just like, dang, we didn't get didn't get to keep Mike Miller and they Minnesota didn't really send anybody over like any veteran over to kind of like compensate the loss of Mike Miller. I think that kind of would have been the only question with it. But then again, that's something that only like diehards really like think about, you know? Well, I really, guess Marco Yark was supposed to be that, that compensation for Mike Miller. And I mean, he had a, he had a good stretch of play for a little bit with the team. But yeah, my, you know, Minnesota, number one, they wasted Mike Miller. I don't even know why they wanted him unless it was they had to do it to match salaries. Um but yeah, it, that's that's always going to be the, probably the bigger what what if for me is what if uh, we were able to keep Mike Miller in in that deal, um, like you had brought up earlier. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so, Justin, we're about running out of time here on the show. Do you have any uh, closing remarks or anything? No, I got everything off my chest. You know, I appreciate you coming on for today's Revisionist Grizzly. And I've got to give you a shout-out for the uh, Greatest Grizzly Tournament. It's been a resounding success. I, I think, like, most most polls have had, like, what, like five or 600 votes? Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, just some sense of content and some sense that, you know, hey, let's think about basketball for a little bit. Let's just get our minds off reality for a bit and reminisce on the good old days. Mm-hmm. All right, and then quick final wrap-up question is, who is your greatest Grizzly of all time? Like, you made the bracket. Who's your greatest? Um, he's not going to make it out of the Final Four, but Marcus Gasol will be my, my greatest Grizzly. All right, heard it here first. And so, Justin, let the people know where you can find them. You guys can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Awesome. Be sure to follow Justin on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Listen to him and Sean Coleman on the 3ND podcast. Read his work and read my work at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the core four podcast with the number four, not the word four. Be sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, that's it.